retro anime. How did we fight it? How does it hold up? Unpacking the ins and outs of being an old school nerd, and proving that 80s kids can't remember a damn thing right. These are the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd. Alright, welcome to Mindless Midlife Musings of the Anime Nerd. I'm Rick, and I'm joined by the rest of our panel, Vic, Brian, and Lynette. How's everyone doing today? Hey, Hello. everyone. Alright, Ghibli Fest winds down for us as we take another step outside our usual criteria and discuss Studio Ghibli's 2013 release, The Wind Rises. Wind Rises is a Japanese animated historical drama written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki and animated, of course, by Studio Ghibli. It was released in Japan in July of 2013 and in North America by Disney's Touch Touchstone Pictures in 2014. It's a fictionalized biographical film of Jiro Horikoshi, Horikoshi, designer of the Mitsubishi A5M fighter aircraft and its successor, the A6M Zero. It is a heavily fictionalized account of Jiro's life. Early yes. life. Um, there's, it's, it's not a film without controversy. It was controversial in Japan and had its own bit of controversy here in the States. So let's, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Uh, this, this is the controversy. Let's, let's. So in, I'll start with Japan. Uh, in Japan, the uh, LDP or Japan's right-wing nationalist party, they were very against this movie uh, because Miyazaki apparently published an essay opposing the prime minister's plan to reinstitute a full-fledged military, and Miyazaki obviously penned a whole thing opposing it, so they... And then this version, this film, shows heroes... Not, he wasn't really, like, into war. He wasn't necessarily a pacifist like Miyazaki, but he wasn't designing war machines. He was designing airplanes. They make it a point to show that side of him. So the anyway, the LDP in Japan they weren't happy with Miyazaki. There was some controversy there. The movie still made did gangbusters in Japan, so clearly most of Japan did not care uh, about that. But that 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 is is so interesting to hear Japan's Dixie Chick stories. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, that's that's totally what it is. It's it's this is a shut up and sing moment for uh, Miyazaki, and he of course didn't care. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's well, you know, once you're at a certain age, you really don't care. <laughs> oh yeah, the 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 amount of fucks given and the uh, age of a person are are they they cross section. It's <laughs> a definite yeah. cross section. Like I can imagine that they're the word that at some point in time. There is a, we must return to our samurai roots, right? <laughs> but do you think, I never really thought about, you know what, we want to, do you think if they want to return back to kamikaze pilots and <laughs> World War II? Nah. I, I definitely don't think so. I can't speak for the LDP, but uh, it certainly sounds like they are doing the, the, wing MAGA thing over here and that we're doing and they got like a whole nationalist party Japan first let's make a full-fledged military and be a mighty force in the world again kind of thing and uh and yeah it's kind of like antithetical to the constitution they had to write after 
1945. So, uh, anyway, it's Japanese politics, not my business. Got enough problems here in America. All right, so <laughs> let's go with that one. Yeah, so the American controversy surrounding the film was difficult just because of the subject matter. It's the life story of a person who designed the A6M0, uh, the Zero Fighter. Not exactly beloved here in U.S. shores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's when that was fourteen Tomcat, no, 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 no. So, um, so yeah, when they found when you know people were hearing that this movie was coming out, uh. Americans collectively shrugging, like, why would we want to see a movie about this guy? <laughs> like, so people still did. Well, yeah, it. Nevertheless, it it did really well here as well. So, proving that um, people are idiots, and and you know, we can appreciate stories for what they are. <laughs> Critics are idiots, and people can appreciate. It. So yeah, it's it's a very interesting film. I admit, I was held I was held back. Um, on my interest in seeing it, uh, despite loving planes and loving the idea of, of, of aviation stories and things like that, seeing this film for me originally when it came out, I was um, was hesitant because, you know, feelings towards the the Zero Fighter and um, World War II in general and Japan and all that those those sorts of feel you know thoughts are kind of bred into you a little bit, you know, indoctrination by your parents. Uh, so. Little, little hesitant. But when I watched it, I loved it. Uh, I loved it when I saw it. I thought this it was it was brilliant and beautiful, and it made me appreciate engineering in a way that I never thought I could. And his uh, imagination. Yeah, yeah. Talk about a very, very interesting and active imagination. The film again, heavily fictionalized story. Um, his whole personal life. Almost none of that that's in the anime is 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 true. Uh, he had an older brother, not a younger sister. His Ooh. wife didn't have the same name. She wasn't even sick. Uh, they had like six kids. Like you know, they they took a ton of liberties with um, Judo's personal life. I and, feel uh, like you hit it on the whole movie just now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, you know what though? Yeah. It's like did that is not the slight the film. Because it was very successful at being emotionally driven, almost it's slice like, of life. It's like I'm pretty sure I was dead inside, and I'm like, I felt I felt bad. Then I looked it up, and it's like, oh wait, none of it. Ha- oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, same. I was like, wow, this guy, man, he went through some shit. And you read it, you go, oh no, he didn't. I mean, he still went through some shit. He just didn't go through this kind of shit. It's like, Nothing... it's like he stubbed his toe, and then the the, t- the the movie went. He didn't stub his toe; he lost his foot. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The stubbed toe. He lost his foot, and he had to climb uphill with one foot. <laughs> like yeah, it's like in the movie, it's like his wife had tuberculosis, and it's like oh, in real life, she just had a cough. Right. Yeah. It does, or you know, she got a cold once. Oh. Right. <laughs> It's, oh, not, it's not like she she was visiting the Wuhan lab in China. No. <laughs> I mean, you know, I get it. You know, you're telling a fictionalized story. You don't want to. It's okay. I forgive that. It, they and at no point in the anime they try to pass this off as a true story. 
Correct. Like they don't they don't yep. do anything like based on factual events or any of that shit that American movies do. They just this is a movie, and if you put the pieces together about who he was and whatever, good on you. Um, that but that like one of my biggest compliments I was about to give this movie was <laughs> like seriously, I had this. I said, you know, I have never seen animation used in this way. You sure. know what I'm saying? Like yeah, this, no, I, yeah. Like the equivalent, another equivalent of this one would be like, so I got the Wright brothers. You know what I'm saying? You know, I've never heard about historical anime. Bio, it's a fucking biopic. It's a fictional biopic, but it's a biopic, an animated biopic. Yeah. yeah. Like it, 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 there are so many, like, you can literally do. I, I thought about all the other people that you will probably want to do this for, huh? and this would be a wonderful medium. Like we know damn well, there's nobody in the world who's going to be able to play either a Michael Jackson, b Prince. You're saying, right? Maybe we have to have to worry about that. We could do this as animated, and I thought it solved so many problems. But then you just go and shit on that. I mean, Ryan, are you saying Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli should, you know, do a biopic on Michael Jackson? Uh, a biopic on Prince, for sure. Um, well, it's, you know, you know, I agree with you, though, Brian. It was, it's a first for me that I can think of. An animated biopic is something that I never even conceived as uh, an idea at all. Or a, way to, a way to tell a story. And, and they did. And, yeah, it's based more on a manga which is uh, uh, the biopic. That's it's kind of the, the story on this one. Is it, it's a, The anime is based on a manga by Miyazaki, I believe, about Jiro. So G Miyazaki already fictionalized a bunch of elements for the manga to, you know, so, storytelling so reasons. It wasn't even a toe. He just... His <laughs> <laughs> he, once got a, he once got a paper cut. I'm tired <laughs> he, he got a paper cut once, and in the in the anime, he lost a finger. That's right. That's it. He was yeah. he was drawing planes with three fingers. Yeah. That's what yeah. It I'm looking it up. Uh, Jiro passed away like eighty two or eighty three. So yeah. eighty two. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's possible to get at least some modern reference for accuracy. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think that's what he was going for. You know, no, that's he was okay. going for something. I don't want to say fantastical, but, uh, you know, most biopics, if it's like, you know, exact, then it, it'll end up boring. Well, I hate to use this as a, as an example, but it really is most Apple pro the weird Al biopic. I don't know if any of you guys saw it with Daniel Radcliffe. I haven't yet. No. Okay. So it's weird. It's great because it's, uh, it is a biopic about weird Al. It's, like, what's Weird Al's whole shtick? Weird Al's whole shtick was parodies of, of songs. His biopic was a parody of biopics. There were, there were elements in there that were true. Most of it was made fantastical and absurd because it was a parody of biopics. And it's the closest, it's hilarious to make the comparison, but it's the closest thing I can come up to for this is that it's, this is a biopic in name only, right? Because everything about it is a fictionalized account of a person's life. Oh, it's 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 a, an interesting take, and I don't. That's kind of here or there. Like like sitting and delving on this is not 
not doing the film any justice. It's as usual. Beautiful. We, then, then I, I, I have to give that to the moderator. The moderator should have let this. <laughs> you should have let us gush all over it. Then at the end, right at the end, on your final thought. And I could have shot all over it. Hey, guys, I'm going to let you guys know. No, it's fucking real. I you want, did. I wanted so you, to... want to pull, you want to pull a despicable me and pop the, the, the dog balloon. That's that's. You wanted us to do that. We build the balloon. We love the balloon. We hug the balloon. And then he just comes along and goes. <laughs> but no, 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 no. You, you, you just started off with, hey, this balloon right here, it makes no point. Into, I'm just going to go in and poke holes in it. And then we're going to try to. <laughs> uh, it was. I looked into it yesterday after watching it, though. And I was like, oh, oh. To me, it was, it was important that we establish it because, because of the subject matter. I know it's, it's weird because to Americans and to the West, the zero represented Bear. terrifying. It was a terrifying thing. Yes. It, was, it was a machine that practically brought the United States Navy to its knees. It was destructive and, and amazing. And to make a film celebrating such a powerful instrument of American death, it's a controversial idea. Um, so to talk about it, I, I, we, I needed to firmly establish the heavily fictionalized nature of this. Uh, I, just, I just feel like it, it's to, to calm people down. Like nobody in this, this isn't celebrating the zero. This movie isn't celebrating the zero. Doesn't do it at all. In fact, the zero is only shown once at the very what? end. That's... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's if anything, oh. it's a love letter to engineering and aeronautical design. That's the best way to describe the film. With subtle hints of things blowing up. I mean, I, that's what I. It was a very depressing. You know, it's like this pursuit of art of yeah. perfection for the plane. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a subtle thing. It's kind of like the villain jumping in and going, "Everything's going to explode," and then walking away. And then yeah. a subtle thing of everything's going to explode. And then walking away, and then graveyard of planes and burning yeah. and fire in the background, and then perfection at the uh, end, an artful perfection at the I, end, what? right? So it's like in the pursuit of perfection, everything explodes. This is the cost of your yeah, <laughs> but you know like, that moment that you're talking about with the graveyard, that was the yeah. fuck you do to me as I me as I feel like hey hey. This guy, this guy, this guy, oh, fuck war. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, here's one for you. Could this be seen as a prequel to Grave of the Fireflies? Oh, don't fuck me go there. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, we are not doing this movie any, any <laughs> favors. Oh, man. We're not doing any favors. This is a, it's, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start fresh. It's a beautiful movie. It, it is a very gorgeous movie. The, uh, it's I it's a wonder. Single, I loved how every single time his imagination kicked in, the sound effects for the planes were like, you know, people's mouths just making noise. Okay. I loved, I loved that they used that in the opposite side of the coin. How when everything was bad, all the sound effects were that way too. Like the earthquake okay. wasn't an earthquake. There were no rumbles. Yeah, it was it was, it was weird. Spurs. And, yeah. And like chants and this just like. This over like dread, this feeling of dread washed over me when I heard these sounds. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, when his imagination took over, especially when things started going sideways, it's like 
he it felt like he imagined you know you know when things are just not yeah. good or his imagination just takes over it's it was all just sound effects in his head well like, it, and that's why when we got to moments like that when i was talking about using anime or anime animation as a biopic vice i was really impressed at what the, some of the things like it felt like there was a even better way to uh, depict like the genius of a beautiful mind or yeah. the genius of like uh you know of any of the inventions that we've had how we get to these moments animated and you can just make the colors make sense you yeah. know uh it's, it's like when when you hear there are certain artists they talk about their creating their masterpieces right yeah and they're saying they they can see sounds. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It would be one of those type of things where you could see the beauty of what they're trying to create just from illustration. Sure. I mean, yeah. Think about it with and, like even Beethoven. The guy couldn't even hear. Being able to to visualize in a way <laughs> he was able to create music that's a fantastic medium used for this. I agree. I think I heard that we make them know that Beethoven was deaf. He wasn't deaf. He he was he he had everything. Yeah, right. Beethoven was psychic, and he actually had the renin gun. And (laughs) he he invented Kamehameha. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And and uh, he did it all um, with half a face. Because I mean, like, <laughs> just yeah, yeah, with no face, six wives, and uh, <laughs> you get to just it's animation. Have fun with it, you know. <laughs> like, can you imagine if they actually do? They redo the elephant, the elephant man, <laughs> and they actually give him the elephant head. Come Why not? On. I mean, you know, <laughs> this is ripe for interpretation. Some big ass. Huh? Uh, so it, what's interesting about this is that for a lot of episodes that we've covered, a lot of content we covered this year is has been aviation focused. Uh, we taught, we did yeah. Airbath, did uh, Area eighty eight. Uh, we you know so we've we've touched on a few different uh, things, and this one is same but different because it it is an aviation based anime, but it's it's obsessed with the early days of aviation that's obsessed with the design and development part of it versus the airplane porn itself which is just kind of refreshing considering how much uh airplane stuff is watched this year but um it was also enlightening like it it made me appreciate the other anime more which is kind of a weird Weird. It was a weird thing for me to come to terms with. I'm like, man, yeah. As much as I appreciate planes, I really appreciate them more after watching. You know, just just let's take it for instance, right? Just to piggyback off of what you're saying. Right, brothers happened in 1903. Someone looked up some history. Well, I do live in North Carolina, and my dad. <laughs> it's kind kind of a thing. Um, <laughs> you may, dad, may, may not have heard of it. He'll lose the state card if he doesn't do that. If he doesn't know. <laughs> well, look, anybody who lives in North Carolina doesn't know they they have to move out within thirty days. 
All right. So they get now, a notice on their door. <laughs> look, me and the Wright brothers, we have a very sordid history. <laughs> um, they were cool together. It was a re- <laughs> no, no, no. It's even worse than that. We <laughs> uh, we actually went to the Wright brothers museum, which is in Kill Double Hills and uh, in North Carolina. And the way the museum works is you have this one tent, and the tent shows you the story of the first flights and the subsequent attempts that they made from there, right? Well, you find out that it goes from the top of the hill to the bottom, and then subsequently, they each side, they had to bring the plane back up and go, right? That's not the bad part. The bad part is this. From the tent, way about 45 miles, and I'm, exa- I'm exaggerating that point. Absolutely. Up a hill is where they have the monument to them, <clears throat> and my my uh, my lovely wife, she wanted us to go and see that monument. <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait. So you go you go through the tent, you watch the video in the tent and everything. They're like, okay, now you can see the monument that's at the top of the hill, exactly, all the way over there. You see that all little blank second horizon? That's where you need to go. Remarkable. And then we walk up there. There is a picture of me actually punching Wilbur because this is some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> If only they right. had invented some kind of device that could have carried you over the air to that place. Like you mean like a Zeppelin? <laughs> so then from there, of course they have the milestones of where each attempt for and then they like, landed. Yeah, yeah. And the other one is clearly half a mile the other direction. From <laughs> up the hill, past the tent. The other direction, you have to walk a half a mile. <laughs> so what you're saying is that this was an excuse to force you into exercise without realizing it. That's, <laughs> I think she was trying to, but you know what? I love her. <laughs> <laughs> All that to say is that knowing that the Wright brothers came in 1903, right. it's kind of, I have no choice. She has been burned into my force. It's, it's, it was a tr- it was trauma, like it it was my own personal nine eleven. That year, right, right. That year was like etched into your soul, right. Really right, brought right. it. What I'd like, I, I really want you to to circle back to your your thought. You were saying to piggyback off of what I was saying, the Wright brothers in nineteen oh three, the right. first flight. three, and then you had the zero coming, not even forty years later. Right. Yeah. Arguably, sooner. Right. Because the a the a five m which is the film, the plane that they show in this movie, uh, for the most part, is uh, comes years before. So not even 40 years, we went from oh. Wright Brothers laying down on two giant fucking wings to that. The fighter uh, jet. Huge a jump. in, And that's not even the first iteration of air combat superiority. Well, absolutely, no? yeah. Yeah, we had the the biplanes of World War One. I. I mean, it's it's you know what I'm saying. In, yeah, an impressive jump forward. So you you bring this up because we we were so glorified in just the animation of how they animated these planes. Like even when we were talking about um, not airbats, 
but Area 88. You felt like Area 88 was basically a giant poster of all the planes. <laughs> right. So, uh, this is basically saying, hey, you would have got nowhere near this if it wasn't for the the macro wing from Hero. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's cool, man. It's just cool to, to sort of take that into perspective and appreciate it. And I, I loved Hero as a character up until the end. I was I really liked him. I, I liked his <laughs> Alright, so something I could totally relate to is when he's young, the very opening of the film. Yeah. And he he's having his wonderful dream and he's having the he's trying to like see these like bombs that are and he's like fucking with his glasses and his goggles. He can't quite get it to work out and shit goes sideways. And he wakes up and he looks, and I swear to God, I've had this look on my face, this look of almost total disdain for his glasses. Right. <laughs> yeah. He just I winks up. I can relate to that. Yes, he shit, yes. just looks at his glasses like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not just that, though. It's it's the... it's. It actually felt like it was a sentence of even having to have to get glasses. You know? Oh, yeah. I'm not... I want to fly these yeah, things. Yeah, he wanted to fly, but because yeah. of his eyesight, he decided to do the next best thing. If he can't fly, he's going to make the things that fly. But the death sentence that he was feeling like... Mm -hmm. Like he I couldn't fly, even do that. I can't see. Clearly, I'm dead. Well, how did you feel when you first got your glasses? I'm on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's when no one likes you. <laughs> So for me, uh, when I was, when I first got my glasses, I was in third grade, I think, something like that. And for me, it was, wasn't uh, so much a curse because I already knew what I wanted to do at that age. And I didn't need to see far away to do that. So being heavily nearsighted, I was just like, whatever, this is just a thing I have to deal with. As long as I can see the paper in front of me, I'm good. And uh, so for, for years, it was just natural progression for me, I guess. If I wanted to watch the movie, I needed to have the glasses, right? I love how uh, we're, we are reaffirming that this podcast is not mindless midnight musings of the anime jock or the <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. It's the anime nerd. We are, yes, we are firmly in the, the nerd as well. What about you guys? Like, that sort of level of, and I mean, of all the things to talk about with this movie, but that's sort of that that feeling of, of loathing for yourself, as if you yourself, you've almost cursed yourself from having the life you wanted. Like, that's it's in a look, in a single look, he managed to communicate all of that. Look, it was beyond. It's awesome. To this day, I have always, I've always hated glasses. Always. <laughs> They're a nuisance. It, I, I feel like so much of my personality is shut off. I feel like Cyclops from uh, X Men. What? God, it's not that bad, dude. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying that because, right? You know, I. Wait, wait, wait! Before you say anything, I'll say Optic Blast, and then keep on optic going. Blast. Okay. <laughs> No, no, <laughs> because I've always thought that as one of my best features. Yeah. But they're caged between these. Yeah. And being, it, 
And, and, and guess what? The glasses are only getting thicker and thicker and thicker. <laughs> now, and now these motherfuckers now have a line because now they're bifold. <laughs> what? Well, the hell? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess I'm just lucky. You know, he's working, got, you know, his eyes, you know, modified by lasers and whatnot. Science for I the win. I did too. Science for the win, man. Both. Science yeah, for the win. I have to say, when I first found out I had glasses, I felt like I had a little loss of more independence because now I had a dependency on something, right? Mm. How can you truly be free if you lose this little piece of thing and you can't see anything? You have right. no sight. You have no, you have nothing. You're restricted. It was just another chain on me. I was like, why yeah. do I have to have this? Why am I restricted? And so I would always break them. Yes. I would always lose them. I I would I would throw away my contacts because it was one of those things. It's like I will not be chained down by this stupid piece of thing. Gandalf, <laughs> you shall not see. Wow. And honestly, that's that's kind of that force that Jiro has in this anime. Mm -hmm. Like that's his crutch, and he hates it. He makes it apparent, like he's sitting on the roof trying to fix his vision by focusing on the distant thing, and even even in his dream. He knows it's his crutch. He's he's bringing it up, and Caproni, Count Caproni's like, I ain't never flown a plane in my life, dude. He's just like given this liberty. He's given these wings to just to really fly and and do what he wants, despite hating himself for that. He pursues this career. It's, it's great. It's uh, it's such a. Is this something... the part where you tell me that? Is this the part that you tell me that he actually had twenty twenty? Yeah, he. 2020 vision. No, he had big ass Coca-Cola <laughs> glasses. He really did. Uh <laughs> oh. Yeah, man. Like you can find his pictures on Wikipedia. They they were like, you know, Coke bottles. I I loved that though. I thought that was really great. It's something that's so taken for granted these days, glasses, because you know, most people have them, or not most people, but a lot of people have them. It's we take no it big for deal nowadays. It's no big deal. But back then, or to anybody interested in aviation. Not having 2020 visions like a kiss of death, yeah. so so it was it was important, but something that's simply overlooked by the casual film girl these days. And, like, and, really, and the thing about it is, is it actually highlights how perfect of a human specimen you have to be to even be considered as a pilot. Requirements put on piloting is yeah, right. it's not like it's not like he was. He had any other maladies or anything else other than having this foot chopped off, right? But yeah. I paper cut. It was terrible. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, he was he was a perfect human, you know. And then 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 the glasses yeah. gone. That's it. Or F, you're done. Took him from um, full human to subhuman, and and yeah, it, it can feel it can feel demeaning to people as a glasses wearer, especially if your chosen profession is something you you love you you love, uh, that that takes that away from you. Or he felt like it would and, take it away from you. But um, you know the thing about it is, it's clear that Hero never met Max. Right. <laughs> no shit. So, uh, that was one of the things I that was one of the things I loved about Super Adventure Fortress Macross was that the best pilot <laughs> were fucking glasses. I Oh shit! <laughs> and no one gave him any shit for it. Anyway, I wish you would. Right? <laughs> let's let's 
settle this in a Valkyrie. No, you know, uh, no, Ben, Ben, ben probably, yeah, probably, ben. and we all see how that <laughs> turned out for Ben. Right, right. So he's dreaming, and it's kind of neat. I like the idea of his dreams, uh, where he, in his dream with Count Caproni, he was was given his wings. He was given the his his blessing to to uh, the what the con the I wrote the, I wrote the quote down. Engineers turn dreams into reality. I was like, that's fucking brilliant. And, yeah, it's like and, he lived the dreams to console himself and to like give himself that extra push to actually do something. But his dreams were great because they were like this. Yeah. It's like he really was dreaming with Caproni. Like it was just kind of cool. It's like they shared. It, it, it almost yeah. like they shared a dreamscape. Like they had a, a land but they, they could but, go but, to together. But, it, <laughs> but not just together. It felt like it's a place where only engineers, right? Can, yeah, like this exclusive dream club. And like, if you're an engineer and you see the world this yeah. way, like you're dream, either an engineer or Caproni's uh, family. <laughs> it was cool. I I loved that. I loved that whole shared consciousness thing. It, I just thought it was really neat. It was a neat touch. It um, was to keep him connected to this person he idolized. Um, it was all, yeah. they never they never meet. Never, never. He never ever. met him. <laughs> was yeah. Um. I don't know. It was cool. It's what I, one of the things that I really appreciated about this film was that, um, before you do that, yeah, go ahead. Can we just stay on that one point? Right? Absolutely. Um, if there is anybody that you would have loved to have given you a blessing to do anything, who would it have been? Oh man. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're putting me, you're putting me on the spot. Yeah. That's tough. It's a tough one. Your question, you answer first. <laughs> I just thought of it. I did, I did. It's not like <laughs> That's um, a good question that younger me needs to decide on. Right. So, like, in my youth, it's a different answer than now. Right? In my youth, it would have been... All right. My background, for those maybe don't listen to the show as much... My background's artistic. I, I appreciate illustration, animation, things like that. Uh, and so for me, all of my heroes as a kid were animators. Uh, I idolized Andreas Deja, Chris Sanders, anybody who really likes animation is going to geek out at these names I'm spewing. And the people, the you know, the people who came before, even Walt Disney, for all his human flaws, was a person I idolized. So... Any of those people like would have given me the time of day, and I would have been in heaven. Some of my earliest inspired moments were going to Walt Disney World. Uh, back then, I think MGM Studios had just opened, and they had a. It wasn't MGM Studios, or I think it was. And they had Disney's Animation Studio, like in the theme park. You could go there and see the animators working on things, and. To me, that was my fucking Jurassic Park. Like, I could go there and spend my day in that studio. It was at that moment that Rick had his first erection. <laughs> That's right. Made me a man. Um, it was, <laughs> it, so to me, any of the people on the other side of that glass, people working on those films, those were my heroes. Uh, and, and that grassed into the comic book world. Tim Lee, Todd McFarlane, uh, uh, sh <laughs> shit, There's so so many artists. 
uh, John Romita Jr., uh, Steve Ditko. Oh, my God, Steve Ditko. If I could have gotten Steve Ditko's blessing, Jesus. So these, those are my heroes. Those are my super mega fucking nerd heroes right here. Uh, okay. So that, that's my answer. All right. Uh, let's go with the person who also has glasses. <laughs> Who, now, I can't be the only one that answered. You guys can't do that to me. So somebody's uh, got to I have no clue. <laughs> so let, let's, start with the, let's start with the easy thing. What was your dream as a kid? We're not talking to me now, Nothing right? you get paid for it. Like, we're not talking to me because I was pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you went through all that and you said that your dream was, I actually want to be a, a, a rodeo clown. I really wanted to be a lawn maintenance <laughs> technician. That wasn't my dream. Right, right. I want to go to Disney and, 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 you know, just so I could pay for being a rodeo <laughs> So yeah, those really those guys being an underwater basket weaver. <laughs> I have absolutely no freaking clue. I wanted to be a teacher until I realized I didn't like teaching children. We suck. It's... It suck. It suck. <laughs> so I love them. Could have gotten the blessing from who would have been for a teacher? Yeah, anyone. I mean, whoever. Actually, Mister Rogers. That uh, I grew up with Mister Rogers. Really wanted grading. to be a teacher. If Mister Rogers came by and went, "You're going to be a great teacher," I probably would have become a teacher, even probably if I didn't like children. <laughs> so, probably I'm really dating myself. <laughs> oh, I don't think you are. I don't think you are at all. It's midlife music. It's, it's, it, we've already done that part. We've done that part. <laughs> so, little known fact about me: uh, my first dream was actually wanted to be a uh, think of it as an underwater land of privacy. Like I wanted to be a city administrator for a city that was underwater. You wanted to be Aquaman? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> So you wanted to be Namor? No, no, not Namor. I said it. I wanted to be underwater Lando Calrissian. I actually said it. Very clear on the fact that he didn't need to breathe water. He wanted to live under it. Right, right. I saw something like Sequest uh, DSV. Dude, That's... I was just going to say Sequest. Oh, Sequest was awesome. Right, but I didn't want Sequest. I wanted Sea City. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so if I could have gotten it from anybody it would have been Captain Nemo nice nice so when I finally saw it, like leave extraordinary gentlemen yeah yeah and and, and you, you see that one there mm-hmm. yeah when he's that, got the he's got the Nautilus and that shit it was yeah right. and not just the Nautilus the Nautilus yeah it was, that was the the OG Avengers team <laughs> So I'm gonna get this train back on the tracks, if that's all right with everybody. Yep. No, no, no. he didn't. Vic didn't set his. I honestly has, don't have one. I really don't. Not, Vic's heroes are himself. My childhood <laughs> hero. You know, I, I was dead to the world. I didn't know. I didn't care. Bruh, as much as you video it, game and all the video game systems you own, you mean to tell me? Hey, hey, my hobbies have nothing to do with my non-existent dreams. I feel like we need to go give him a hug. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Actually, after saying that out loud, I kind of feel like I need a hug. <laughs> My gosh. Oh, man. All right. It's okay. It's all right. We're going to move on. We've got a lot of movie to talk about. We've barely done it. So, <laughs> have we done any do we have any movie? Just we a little bit. Uh, We're 20 yeah. minutes in. Honestly, big picture ticket stuff here. Uh, one of the things that's really cool about this film is sort of how it discuss it subtly discusses the idea of the military industrial complex, how uh, government military projects fund industrial development. Uh, they, they have for hundreds of years. And in this film is a perfect example of it. Japan is a country on the brink of financial collapse. They're, they're, they're struggling. And, and yeah, still... Yeah, the beginning the, of the movie, you see a bank collapse and people make, make a huge run on the bank. Yeah, and then still, military-industrial complex moves forward. The, the two characters, uh, Jiro and his buddy, they're, they're like, we still got jobs because we're working for the military, basically, for contractors. So they get to go and, and design planes. Something that they're not particularly keen on them being used for war but they need a paycheck and they're perfectly happy to keep doing it because they're engineers and their goal is to create something beautiful to, you know, chemical perfection. Right. So um, it's kind of an interesting thing because as the characters is not particularly keen on the concept of going to war or his designs being used for it, even making jabs about it, like later on when he's talking about how he's kind of like had his epiphany moment and he's figured out how they're going to build a better plane and they got the rivetless system. Oh, yeah, system. make it lighter and faster. It's like, yeah, we can leave out the guns. Just leave out the guns. No big deal. You know, it's <laughs> it's uh, an interesting way to look at it because the reality is, is yeah, the military-industrial complex does fund development. And, and a lot of the things we have to be grateful for are because of military-industrial complex design. Yeah. Things like GPS exist because of the government. So the internet, yeah, internet? your Google yeah. Maps, those the internet. Period. These are all things that that you know, war or the desire to make war um, have made for all of us, and are sort of an essential part of our lives now. Uh, and this is this whole movie is kind of a testament to that, uh, albeit you know the time period making it seem less so, but it really was. Uh, the whole idea. Now, he he just wanted to make something beautiful that could fly. And look, I am not going to say a, an unkind word about the A5M fighter. It's a beautiful plane design. Uh, the fighter that predated the Zero that they show in this movie, it's got these plane. like inverted gullwing thing. It's it's a gorgeous plane. Loved it. And the fact that it got turned into a weapon of war, that sucks. Really does. <laughs> but oh. it's... Beautiful plane. Stay tuned. Next, next month, we're actually going to be uh, reviewing Oppenheimer. So, <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah, dude. Seriously, uh, Oppenheimer is about it's... to drop when we're recording this, and it's I'm excited to see it, but I'm also terrified to see it. You know what I mean? Like, it's anyway, <laughs> like you know, the thing that's going to kill me, um, not her, but here, here's the thing that's going to get me about stuff like. Uh, you know what the end result of Oppenheimer is going to be. Sure. It's going to be... Bada boom. Yeah, bada boom. <laughs> big, 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 bada boom. Bada boom. Big, bada boom. 
Right. Plus, time where we know exactly what the end result of this movie would be. Mm-hmm. Very good. The thing about it is, is that they were very slick about who the antagonist really was, and and honestly, it's something that, as engineered, you really do. You're, he is also the protagonist. He's also the antagonist. Right. In this, I know. I haven't seen the film yet, but it seems like if anything, the the no, no, I'm talking about hero. Oh, here, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. He's his own worst because enemy. It, exactly, he's the one yeah. that has the design, and he's the only one who can figure out what what needs to be done to make this wing work. You know, yeah. or yeah. to to get it, and it's going to be one small thing that he's going to glean from it, and you see, you see this the the switch of. It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. The rivets are working. We finally got the 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 correct wing measurements and and, and design. It's gonna work now. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I, terrified. I, I'm actually terrified about that moment in Oppenheimer. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and yeah, you're right. You're right, Brian. That's that is that's the crux of it. When I started um, talking about this movie. I said I, I really liked Hero and I also hated him um, because of that same duality, right? He was so obsessed with work and the perfecting of it and figuring out the problem, right? engineering the fix at, you know, his wife was dying, you know, the next city over, however far she was. And he was even on his way back to his wife fictional wife who was fictionally dying in this fictional story. He, he was still working on the brain. Right, he was still working on the design. He couldn't put the fucking pen down fast enough, or long enough to uh, to just be with his wife. And I appreciate the character of his wife. thought it was really, really sweet how she mm-hmm. wanted him to keep doing it, she wanted him to succeed. It was very yeah. kind. It pissed me the fuck off. So, well, you know the thing. Yeah. I like how they were united under the passion of the wind rises. Right, right, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's something about when you find somebody who believes in your dreams, yeah. supports They're, you regardless, or not even that, who is actually able to see the power of your dream, what what powers your ability to dream. You know, you can easily be in. It's the stuff of shit that makes people fall in love. You know, if you really think about uh, it. Yeah, it's uh, how many times have you heard somebody say? And I'm sorry to mean to cut you off, Brian. No, uh, that that they they say that my spouse gets me. Right. And that's that idea that that he or she understands a deeper part of me that my friends don't even get. Yep. And. No, I mean I've I've heard heard friends through the years say that about their spouses. Those are the relationships that last. Ones where you get each other. You fully yeah. you see and understand, you know, those those things. Um so yeah, but I still hated it. Still hated it because, you know <laughs> whatever. What are you trying to say there, Rick? I hated it. <laughs> Nothing. I'm saying I'm saying he should have put the fucking pencil down 
and be with a sick ass wife. That's all I'm saying. I agree that's with that. All this is. It's all I'm trying to say here. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I did love him for it. Uh, I loved him for his passion, and I, I hated him for his passion. So yeah, I love hate relationship with his passion. It's a dual edged sword. Well, we love it because it's something that that hell. Even us doing this podcast, you know, we're doing it as dreamers. We're doing it while we even have the ability to say deep down we love the camaraderie that we have between the four of us and sometimes five and sometimes six and uh <laughs> especially when she keeps on doing stuff like golden but you know what yeah great job, great job andre great job you're my motherfucker but percent even with what originally how this started there's a dream behind it of what if it plus you know yeah. and that's a powerful I love being a dreamer sure I love being a dreamer but it man what, um, what is so in this he can very clearly see the cost of his dreams the cost of his dreams is evident from the get go his his career choice, his path, his dream was to make beautiful planes. The only way he could do it was through a thing that in real life he very much did not approve of. So it's like, what do you do? What is the cost of your dream? Have you is ever had that, that one thing that you wanted to do and if you or wanted to have, but knowing that you have it? will cost the life of one stranger down the street that you never met, you don't know, and it will decimate their entire family. But you know that this is the one thing that will be everlasting for you. That's the that was the that was the thing that I took from it was what would you do if you knew that the ultimate thing that you wanted was this per- perfect thing, this beautiful thing. And knowing that you cannot put it down it's an addiction. You cannot put it down because your life is not complete. But you also understand that it will cost the lives of thousands of people you have never met. Can you really, as a human being, can you really give up that one thing that makes you feel like your life is your life? Can I yeah. even add on that? He even had to pay. There had to be a sacrifice. For him, for him to even see the fruition of it, he had to go with my wife is about to die. And even through that, he had to continue doing that. Yeah, it's like his dream was important to him. And, you know, it sucks that, you know, he knew that his dream would be twisted into something for war. But even then, you know, he still wanted to pursue his dream because that his dream wasn't the war. The dream was flight. And I, th- yeah, I think I'm... that's good. Yeah, no, it's like how many inventions have we seen where it started off innocent? Yeah. You know, someone wanted to figure out what the yeah. atom was. Yeah. And then we got that. You know, someone wanted to figure out, you know, and I'm I'm very generalizing it and not really figuring, you know, <laughs> someone found a glowing rock and wanted to see what it did. And we did. now we have radiation uranium we have all that stuff we have nuclear power plants we have everything from that all because someone yep. went what yeah. is this yeah. and i Need must find out what this is 
What is? And they know they know what's going to happen because that's just human nature. Anything that you discover that's new and shiny and bright, someone's going to turn it around, put and say, hey, you know, that's a really fine boat you got there. You know, if you put a cannon on there, we can go and kill a bunch of people across the <laughs> way. You sure. know, oh, that's a really cool plane. Did you know now I can fly further and drop bombs on people because, you know, that's kind of cool, too. Yeah. Oh, science. This thing, science. Yeah. Everything. Are you engineering being weaponized? <laughs> are you are you guys familiar familiar with Madame Curie? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Same thing right there. Yeah, no, Brian. I I really want you to 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 follow that uh, train of thought for any of the listeners who may not know who that is. You brought it up. Madame Curie is the uh, discoverer of radiation, right? And we all know that radiation in small doses can be lethal, mm-hmm. but when you surround yourself with it, you're basically killing yourself. Mm-hmm. And how, how, how'd that go for her? Yeah, well, um, <laughs> well, the great news is to actually measure radiation. They named you to measure it after her. But <laughs> other than that, uh, she died. <laughs> so that's one of the things. It's not one of the things, but it's a constantly reoccurring theme in Ghibli's films. And this film is no different. In fact, I think this film probably hits that beat better than a lot of them. Is that humans are very complex. There's no definitive villains, right? Everybody's the hero of their own story, but everybody has, uh, much like in Princess Mononoke, characters, you know, they they lack the ability to empathize They they because they're all complex. Everybody's out to help somebody. Everybody's out to save somebody. Nobody's ever truly just evil. Uh, the the road to hell is paved with good intentions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, no, it's not to kill everyone else just because. It's like they right. think they're doing right on their end. And I feel like like this film puts that in a little more into a little more of a realistic perspective. Like in Princess Mononoke or or Nausicaa or any of these other films where those traits are true, it's a fantasy world. And it's easier to dismiss it as like a fantasy story. It's this this world that's been invented by this creator. But in this, it's a pseudo biopic. We're talking about real people with real consequences in an animated format. And these, these characters have to deal with the repercussions of their decisions on a level that's not... He doesn't even get to... Like, you kind of tease that as a precursor to Grave of the Fireflies. But that really is the end result here, right? It's not it's not Jiro's fault that something like Grave of the Fireflies happens, but his contribution to war did lead to that. It wasn't the only thing that led to that. It was certainly his, a piece of his, a puzzle. Wasn't his the, uh, Grave of the father, 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 wasn't his father a, a, a pilot? Naval. No, he was a Navy officer. He was on a ship. Yeah. I try to do something with six degrees. I was good with you. I, was, I see where you're going with it. Um, and I was about to say, fuck that dude. <laughs> <laughs> if, if 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 I had found a way to, to, to man, it was, ooh. Man, that Chris, fucker was going to be like Fred Durst levels of motherfucker. I, <laughs> I, I liked, I really liked the, uh, the scenes that took place in Germany in this film. And Jerome Speaking of Germany. 
Yeah, go Speaking ahead. Speaking of, what Let's about German eyes? <laughs> Yo, <laughs> the guy who was, I, I guess, a German spy or. Okay, all what, right. I'm going to talk about him. I'm going to talk about him. You talk about the guy when, guy that was playing piano and shit that yeah. he met up with. And, okay. Right. right. Got to talk about this dude. So it's actually kind of fun. Um, That character is from a, a play. He's from a, another story. Um, His Hans, the character's name was Hans. And he's... I was going to say, if you say it was Faust, I was going to... Oh, that would have been yo, funny. Yo, no, I was going with Faust. I was no, going his with name Faust. Is, his name was Hans. And he was, which, by the way, getting Werner Herzog to be his American voice was fucking brilliant casting. Um, Who was it? <laughs> Werner Herzog. Uh, brilliantly casted for the English dub. Uh, the whole character's a nod. All right, They mentioned the Magic Mountain a bunch of times in this. The mm -hmm. Magic Mountain is a story by um, Thomas Mann. It's about a German engineer visiting a, visiting a tuberculosis sanatorium. And who do we find out has tuberculosis in the very scenes that this dude's in? Nahoko. This is whole the whole thing is this like intertwining nod to this this story, the Magic Mountain. And that whole character is absolutely homage to that. Uh so it was it was very interesting. And yes, a, a lot of people speculated that he is based on um, some infamous spy, Robert something or another. I'll, I'll try and find it for the show notes. Yeah, it is, he was an interesting character. I thought they were going to do more with him than they did. Yeah. Kind of creeped me out, but he was funny at the same time. So it was yeah, really good. There, you know, they did the zooming in his face. You can see his eyes and his nose. Yeah. It's like he's staring at your very soul through the TV. Okay, I'm the only one who has, like, Voldemort eyes. I got Voldemort <laughs> eyes. This is <laughs> Look, I actually went and insulted a whole race of people and said Germanized. <laughs> so, I I want I want to go ahead and apologize now. That's not my intention. <laughs> wasn't my intention. I was trying to say the guy who was German, his eyes were freaky. They, yeah, yeah. And then was... he smiled. There was like one scene where they did the zoom in. And he's telling a story, and then he goes, ha-ha. He has that, that smile. I was like, this is really creeping me out. You need yeah. to kind of back up. <laughs> like, like <laughs> the, the name... amount of detail that went into that. Yeah. When he name-dropped Hitler, I was like, this motherfucker's he's, he's a spy. He, he... Yeah, that's, and that's what you're supposed to think, is that he's there hiding out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It... I was like, this... I was like, War crime. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> I I I, mean, I love it. Where is Doctor Jones when you need him? We have a Nazi right here. <laughs> <laughs> but I was under the impression that he wasn't forced for evil in that. That he was spying on the Germans because yeah. it's like he was in hiding and he was talking about how Doctor Junker was in trouble, and you know, like he was telling telling our hero about one of his heroes telling him that he was in trouble because you know he didn't want to work for Hitler's army anymore. It was it was interesting and it was something I wish they would have spent a little more time on. I thought that was neat. But He was talking about everybody blowing up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah everybody. Was... Everybody's just going to blow up. The thing about it is it felt more like a Faust. Mm -hmm. I get you. 
yeah, it felt like somebody who was trying to remove the ignorance of what he was creating. Like, like helping him understand is like, you know what you're doing, right? Like, you know mm-hmm. what you're doing. Like, don't yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, come on. <laughs> you, you, come on, dude. Right. Come on, Cletus. Come on, Cletus. <laughs> I, yeah, I get you, it. You fucking know. <laughs> he, was so, the, I, he was the creepy Jiminy Cricket. That's what he was. <laughs> And it, it's uh, so I feel like that's all uh, that compounded with uh, a bunch of other story elements. But one of the things is like that it with that character, Hans and and that whole magic mountain and the whole like, uh, is this guy a spy? Like, what's his deal? And 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 him basically telling Jero, it's like, dude, you know what the fuck you're doing. Like, you know how this ends. Like, what the fuck are you doing? It made me think of a, another quote. Well, I think it was earlier in the film. Where his his hero, uh, Caproni, is <laughs> talking to him in their little dream world that they have together. He asks him a question, and I really I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on this. You want to live in a world with pyramids or without? And I I I got hung up on that. To me, what it was saying was the implication of these things are beautiful, but look what they were built on. Kind of yes. idea. Mm-hmm. Do you want to live in a world with pyramids or without? And that was how Caproni justified Jiro to continue doing what he was doing. That's it. Uh... Oh, come on. Let's go. All right. So there's a comedian who has since been done to the mouths of hell, uh, Louis C.K. Sure. And he had a a a, a skit. Well, not one of his one of his uh, jokes was about, of course, but <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, but he of course, slavery is bad. Of course, it is. Slavery is bad. Of course, it is. But if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have none of the shit we have now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Of course. You know, but that's the problem. The problem is with those statements, right? Uh-huh. Is the pyramids were something that was that, that was a great feat. Right. Right. The champion of engineering. All right. That same ingenuity could have been used to better mankind. Hundred fucking percent. So, <laughs> if you're going to ask me, there. if you're going to ask me, would I live in a world with pyramids or without the pyramids? I would say without because right. I would have loved to seen what they would have did if they were focused on the and right shit. Of something else instead of their own vanity project. So that's the question then is like, was Jero building a pyramid? Would he not have been better served in a world without it? Is zero a pyramid because of look at the cost of it. it? The problem is the zero is more like the hammer as opposed to the building. 
Yes. You know, we're saying that the zero was just because it was designed in Japan, but the same people were designing its 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 counterpart in America. Sure. Yeah. All right. So yeah. while the zero was taking lives, or mm-hmm. not even in the in in the it's not even in all the context. Of them, all the planes were. <laughs> all the planes were. Yeah. You know, we, we can't just look at. If anything, we have to go back to the Wright brothers. Ask them. And we have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have to. Hey, hey. Look, have y'all really thought this through about what you're going to be able to do with this plane once you get it off this fucking hill in 1903? You know, because <laughs> pretty much in 19, you know, 12, 14 around there, that's when we started having World War one you know so right. you motherfuckers did this and that okay. was 10 years all right so the anime asks the question do you want to live in a world <laughs> with pyramids or without right as if tell Jero at the the feet of the engineering is worth the cost itself right that's that's the play that they're getting at in this and i think that we can't reduce it to well Everybody else is building airplanes because it's the same argument like gun owners or gun lovers use. Like, well, you know, I have a gun because everybody else has a gun and we're going to make more guns because everybody's got guns because it's America. And if you ain't got six guns under your pillow, you're not an American kind of thing. It's like, look, I get it. Like them. The world, the world with pyramids or a world without, you know, just you don't have to be, you can't solve the problem. And do you want to continue to be a part of the problem? That's what the zero really was. It was Jero was contributing to the problem. It wasn't the problem. He was contributing. And and that's so the question is definitely a broader scale question. And and to reduce it to put all that weight of that onto Jero is too much. It's not fair yeah. to the person or the character. But the question was brought up in the anime. So I wanted to make sure to bring it up here. Uh, because absolutely relevant. Like, that's the very question his own mentor asked him. That'd be a good listener question, too. Yeah. Let like, us know. Please. Oh, we're, we're know, with the pyramid or without the pyramid? And, and honestly speaking, it was a dream. So I don't even think, if you really think about it, he was asking himself the question. Sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, that's, I, I'm perfectly... You're trying to justify should he continue on with his dream or not? And honestly, that yeah. So this this anime has a really great way of asking deeper, harder questions about things, and it's a it's a surprisingly uh, I don't want to say it, it's a but it, it is it's a surprisingly anti war movie for a movie that, about the guy that made warplanes. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind it's of neat. anti war war movie you can think of. <laughs> was just it was an interesting i wrote the question down because i, I thought it was worth addressing and we're gonna find out that he actually didn't build the plane he yes. wasn't a designer of the plane he was just <laughs> a designer of the rivets that's it yeah <laughs> just just the rivets <laughs> not for nothing though those rivets was fucking genius oh yeah no the eight hey, man come on dude Reducing air friction. Look, everything about this movie is really great idiotics engineering porn. 
it's great. The curve of the fucking fishbone, like, leads him to developing a wing with, I mean, come on, man. That but brainstorming shit. session was just amazing. How they were just Can, like, let's do, excellent. you know, there's this. There's that. There's this extra fin that will allow for you to yeah. to change direction and lift. And I I loved all that shit. <laughs> so I'm gonna do. Uh, I I gotta give uh, a shout out here because so I watched it dubbed. I know two of y'all probably watched it subbed. Ryan, did you watch it dubbed or subbed? Subbed. Watched it subbed. Rock on. So in the dub, Hero's boss, the tiny little motherfucker with the bob cut. I love that dude. <laughs> he is fantastic. Murakawa is the character's name. Mm-hmm. The oh, uh, he's voiced by Martin Short. <laughs> and I shit you not. Hold up, no, I shit you not. I did not know it was him until the end. Usually, Martin Short's very like you can tell who you can tell is yeah, Martin you, Short. Yes, yeah. second he opens his mouth, and no fucking clue was him until the end. And I was like, holy shit, that was Martin Short. Good on him. Japanese? He, he, it what? actually, I knew it was Martin Short, uh, because I'm watching. This is my first time watching it. Yeah, right. So I had watched uh, How I Met Your Mother, <laughs> and when Martin Short was on How I Met Your Mother, he his his voice and cadence that he was using in that. Yeah, it's typically what you were seeing in this guy. I was like, "That's fucking Martin Short." That's great. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, Hide- Hideaki Anno. I wanted to bring that up. Yes, go ahead, Vic. Go for it. It's all you. So the voice <laughs> of Jiro, which is Hideaki Anno, uh, most anime fans may know him for something like, "Oh, uh, Evangelion." Yeah, tiny little thing. Evangelion. But he's also he's got Dang. a long career in animation directing. He's done the Shin Godzilla movie, Shin Ultraman, the recent ones. He worked as an animator on Super Dimensional Fortress Macross. He's worked uh, with previous Ghibli movies. Uh, he uh, he worked on Nausicaa Valley of the Wind. He's worked on Wings of Honiamis. Another he's, flight. The, vo- he's the, the voice tiny, and just he's a tiny little thing. A tiny little thing that that Brian may or may not have heard of called Gunbuster. He did gun, yeah. His studio Gunax did Gunbuster. His, his, yeah, his team. He worked on Micross Plus. He's done yeah. a lot. Yeah, he the is guys like royalty. He is anime royalty. <laughs> he is actually the principal designer of the Overfiend's penis in Legend of Overfiend. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't not surprise sure about me at that, this point. But it may be uncredited. Wouldn't surprise me. But the look, point. Look, <laughs> no, no, sorry, sorry. We know that that thing is aerodynamic. <laughs> the point is, also, is, it was. He's also wait, wait. He's also worked as a director and writer on the 2004 Cutie Honey. So it's 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 just kind of cool. They took, they gave that role to him, and the I mean that's not his forte. He's not known as a voice actor, which they, he's done plenty of though. Right, but they they wanted to give this role him, because of course they did. I mean, the... <laughs> just... and, and honestly speaking, it makes sense. He's an artist, right? Right, like so you don't want you don't want machismo, you don't <laughs> want like you in this role, you don't want the guys who don't Goku's voice coming through <laughs> saying, "Come here, Vegeta." You can't have Vegeta. Could you imagine a Vegeta voice? 
<laughs> fucking clown. Yeah, I, yeah, picture of the peanut designing anything. That is it, you know. So, explosion. <laughs> I loved that. Yeah. I loved that they got him to do it because it's just yeah, like I stopped. It's... Yeah, when the credits rolled, I stopped and yeah. I was like, no. And I had to look it up. I was like, oh my god, it is him. <laughs> I thought, I thought, wow, like that's just, yeah. Like it's just that's all I can say was, yeah. All right, that tracks. <laughs> I, I just want to make sure. Please, Lynette. Lynette, did you know that information? It didn't no, track? I was actually just geeking out over the fact that they were showing Matt. Like, up yeah. close, I was watching it. At... <laughs> like, I was like, okay. whoa. <laughs> hey, I, you see, I'm young saying me that... knows that math is stupid, but older me knows that math actually has come in handy God knows how many times. So now, yeah. now, Vic, one of the other musings that I want to bring up is one that you had commented to me you weren't happy about, and that was the mono mix. Yeah, so I fired up, you know, because I actually have the Blu-ray. You know, I had it sealed because I bought it like uh, a little bit after Disney gave the rights to G-Kids, right? So it's like one of the last Disney releases. It's like, okay, great. You know, I've got a 4K player. I've got, you know, a Dolby Atmos sound. It supports the DTS-MA. I'm like, great, okay, pop it in. Set it on DTS, you know, set it on Master Audio in Japanese. And I only see one channel on my surround sound light up and I'm like why is it and I am checking and it's like yeah it's DTS master audio mono <laughs> right a decision made by Hayao Miyazaki himself so but you know what it was still a clean sounding mix he was concerned that the surround sound in movie theaters would distract the audience from paying attention to what was happening so he ordered the film to have a mono mix so I was in when I first saw it, I was annoyed, but it was clean sounding, and after a couple of minutes, it didn't bother me. Oh, now what totally. did bother me is actually right. Disney's fault or Touchstone on Bring Disney. It on. So you know, I watched it subbed, right? Blu-ray disc. Anything spoken in French, Italian, yeah. or German in the standard sub wasn't translated. Right now. Damn. Now, here's here's where it gets even crazier. If you use the SDH subs on the same disc, you know, for the hard of hearing and deaf, you yeah. know, so it gives you it spells out sound effects, music is playing, all that kind of stuff. Sure. The translations were not the same. All right. The English translations were not the same at all in some places. And they also translated the French, Italian, and German. Fascinating. You get a little more out of the movie than I did because I didn't know what the fuck they were saying. So like, yeah. when, so when they uh, when he was on the train and his hat f flew off and she and Alco caught it, and he said, "Nice catch," or "Nice play." Yeah. So in just the standard English, it said, "Nice play." End of discussion. Right. Yeah. On that piece until she started speaking French. In the SDH, it said something like "nice catch," or it was slightly different. And then with the SDH, she was like, do you speak French? And then they started talking, and it was translated. And it's like, why is why were the other language? And I did the same thing, like when they were in the German hangar. You know, when the Germans came and started yelling at them, you know, to not go anywhere. I went back 10 seconds, I switched to SDH, and sure enough, there was translation. <laughs> okay, Brian, go ahead. And you're waiting. Mitch, you can't just watch it just one time. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I Why like to know what's going on because everyone is speaking different languages <laughs> and they act as if they know what they're saying. <laughs> but dude, dude. You... I didn't watch the movie multiple times. I just went back a couple of seconds every time there was another language to know you what they were switch? talking about. 
What? Why can't you just? I got Who to know you? what's going on. Who hurt you? Disney <laughs> did by lacking on the subs. Disney I thought, of, thought it was an interesting when decision. They yeah. said, when they said it was in English, but the book was in Italian. Yeah. Did you notice that? They were like, yeah. this is in English. And I'm like, oh, really? I'm looking at now? the word. <laughs> and I'm like, what's English? That's Italian. What is it now? It, it's all right. It's okay. English, Italian, <laughs> it all sounds weird anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> all right. I just want to make sure. Um, I, I, I think we need to establish some rules. I, and <laughs> I know we're, we're into this a year now, but <laughs> we're... I think it's time we really establish some rules about the technical stick. What the fuck? <laughs> Dude, he's all right. First of all, all I heard in this, in this whole exchange was I watched it in. With the standard subs and then SDH. See, 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 there you go. And so you start <laughs> off, there's way too many syllables. <laughs> There's way too many syllables in that. There's way too many syllables in that statement. <laughs> what the frick? He watched it, it in Japanese with subtitles, but when it right. came to foreign language, switched or uh, uh -huh. what the hell does SDH I mean, stand for? I think it, isn't I it subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing? Deaf for hard of hearing. Deaf and hard of hearing, yeah. So he switched to those subtitles. So I switched to the on the, the same thing. Yes, that's when you get like, the little captions like music is playing in the background. You know, heavy wind sounds, you know, things like that. Hard rain like, sound. Feel like Look. for Ghibli films, this is a pass because historically Ghibli films have had like three or four dubs and mm -hmm. a couple different versions of subs, like had a bunch of releases over the years. So, I, you know, I, I mean, feel like this is a pass. Come on. Right, like, but the translation, two totally different sets of translations. Two different uh, amounts of effort placed onto the subs dude, on the same disc. And, dude, if Hans Gruber still in it, in, in the other one, <laughs> oh, yeah, Hans Gruber, if Hans, if Hans Gruber still, no matter what fucking translation it is. Yeah, he's still is, him. Is, is, is he's still looking for John McClane? We have come yeah. to the Magic Mountain, and it is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And his singing I is mean, probably translated too. Uh, uh, oh, I can't. Like seriously, this forms the time where you got to overload me, and this is one of those. All right. You remember All right, how, guys. You remember that? You remember that feeling when I was having when I said there's too much breast and cutie honey? Uh huh. There's yeah, no yeah, such thing. But gone, gone. Uh, I, I went to, but I still felt that way, and I. Have thou felt this way again? <laughs> there's, there's too many syllables. Too much in this movie. What you talking about, boobs? He's making a comparison to the amount of, of, I'm assuming subtitle options. Is that what we're <laughs> making a problem with? I think the subtitle options and the fact that somebody was dedicated enough to go through and 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 basically fact set them. Again, I wanted to know what they were saying in I, French, in Italian, and German. You have the nerve to tell me you don't have a dream? Motherfucker, take some <laughs> of this. <laughs> yes, I know. My effort is misdirected. <laughs> Sue me. 
Just took some of the brain power that you just used for that. I promise you, you can sound word peace. <laughs> At least being able to translate it across multiple languages, the definition <laughs> world peace. At least. Oh man! All right, hey guys, look, we've run, we've run plenty long on this, uh, so we should start wrapping it up. Uh, let's go ahead and start with with some final thoughts on on the wind rises that that film that we barely really touched on during this podcast. <laughs> I'll start with Vic. Uh, Vic, you get to go first. Uh, let's talk about the wind rises. Okay. No, talk about the, no, don't talk about the subtitles. Don't, don't, talk, don't talk about the. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be able to do it. It was moment. Oh. It was moment. Go on. If you're gonna buy it, get the G Kids version. Don't get the Disney version. Uh, it's a beautiful movie. Greatly animated. I, you know, love a lot of the design choices made, especially with the sound effects. You know, it's a, it. It's a good movie overall. Is it 100 factual? No. Was it a little disappointing to find that out? You know, right after watching it. Yes. Does it take away from the movie? Not even remotely. Worth the watch, and I'm kind of sad that I I've had it sitting on a shelf for like three years, and I just popped it open to, for this viewing. And now I feel like I underpaid for the movie because I got it like on clearance at Best Buy for like seven fifty. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> appreciate it, Lynette. Lynette, I'm gonna let you go next. Uh, yeah. You'd seen? Had you ever seen The Wind Rises before? No. Nope. This is the first time viewing for you. Excellent. Yeah. First time Please. for me too. All right. Please continue. Go for it. I feel like this is kind of one of those hidden gems. Um, I'm going to date myself again. I don't think anybody realizes that The Matrix was actually a summer B movie before it became a hit. Um, This is what I feel like this one is. It's kind of like one of those quiet ones, at least for me, is when I saw it, I was like, "Hmm, I'm not really in the mood for a romance because that's what the picture looked like. And so I would just like skip over it. Um. Ultimately, I didn't think it would be very deep, but it is kind of, it had me sitting there going, wow, I'm asking a lot of questions about myself and then questioning a lot of things that I supported that ended up having bad things too. You know, like when you, when you look at it and you're like, yeah, that, that was cool. That invention was great. And only to read five pages in and going, oh man, you know, so that's <laughs> kind of what this, <laughs> kind of what this feels like is like. I loved watching the uh, genius do his thing and have the support and dedication to create what he thought was perfect. Only for the end result, five pages later, for you to see and you just go like, oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I felt like this was. And I say everyone should watch it at least once. So go watch it. All right, Brian. Floor is yours, my friend. Uh, also, your first time with The Wind Rises. I need to go ahead and just say for the record that we can timestamp right now. My brain just clicked back on from what Vic was saying. <laughs> well, welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> it just clicked back. I, it finally. Yeah, yeah. I, I was buffering for quite some yeah. time. I'm but glad. Brian, you got... What did you think about the subtitles? What? <laughs> 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 I really think look I can say this now this is this podcast this episode is the reason why we need to uh, do this video it's the reason why I, I, 
because you could have seen my face as I started glitching in the matrix <laughs> as he was talking. And the problem, I can't say just watch it one time. Yeah. I say that if it's a dream, if you're a dreamer and you want to figure out what exactly is true north, this is one of the things you should watch repeatedly. With different you know, subjects. I, I, you I, broke I, him. I hear you. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. no, but. Go, sure. Complete, continue. Sorry. Uh, mul multiple times. You, you need to remind yourself about. And, and you know. Come on. Come on, Cletus. You know when that. Eventually, you're gonna do is gonna be used for, for, for crimes against humanity, right? And we're rapidly getting to the point where we're not even just talking about crimes against humanity. We could be approaching interstellar law or interstellar crimes. You know, we have the mind power to do it, and we can't even. I wish they, and, and, and it, oh my gosh, when you hear people say, when he name dropped Hitler for me, right? I didn't know, my first thought was Japan, Italy, and Germany, the Axis powers, right? And saying that he was speaking to somebody else who was also part of the Axis and saying, we're going to do great things, terrible things, but they're going to be great things. It was a vulgar war, as we all said. You could easily lose your way. And maybe we don't have the currency to decide what our dreams get used for, but that's something we really should start to examine. You're not going to get that off the first one, off the first view one. You have to watch a multiple viewers to even get to that top. So, I have a group of people who have watched it and talk about it together. So, <clears throat> I I agree with you, Brian. I uh, this would be my second viewing of the film. I watched it once when it came out, uh, and upon first viewing, I had uh, the the base reaction of you know at first, of course, a little hesitancy to see it, but then at the end of the day, it was. You know, just a, a story about a, a man who loved flight and wanted to be an engineer and whatnot. And it's, and all of these ideas, the concepts of the cost of, cost of dreams, cost of your creativity, the cost of your invention. And uh, none of those things really sat or sank in with me until the second viewing. This. Uh, and yeah, I think, I think that's a concept that needs maybe a little bit more exploration. I think more people... You do down and think about that and decide do they want to live in a world with pyramids or without, right? Um so yeah, it's it's an excellent film. Or anybody who's like you said, anybody's ever dreamt, anybody's ever thought about trying to make the world a better place and you know, kind of thing. I think it's it's of course it's beautiful. There are plenty of animation moments I could have geeked out about but didn't get around to. Um, there's lots of avionic beauty 
in this, aeronautical engineering beauty in this, mathematical beauty in this. It's, there's so much beauty to be had for so many different people. There's so much the algebraic beauty. It's gorgeous. Um, Where it's never uttered in any media, algebraic beauty. We've done it first. We are pioneers. I there's a uh, it's, it's a conversation with my dad recently uh, over Father's Day weekend, where he was talking about uh, the Japanese military history and the sorts of war crimes and horrible things that Japan had done during World War II, uh, because he is of course of an older generation. He's not from the greatest generation. He's not that world. He's spoken to many of people who were. So his his opinion of Japan and of, you know, them as a nation is skewed in a different way than mine is. And for people with that mindset, this movie's not going to do you any favors. No. This movie isn't this. You'll see this as something else. You'll see this as a, lifting up a, a hero of something that you feel is a horrible thing. Uh, it's not. So open your mind and try and absorb what this is. It's a love letter to dreamers and engineers. But if you are not of that generation, you're younger than us, which you probably are, and you decide you want to tackle this anime, uh, do, do, do the homework on this. I feel like it's worth your time to understand who these people were and what the time period was like Brian mentioned went from 1903 to 1923 when they were having one of the first avionics competitions and he was hired onto a project 20 years 20 Good. years went from Wright Brothers on, on two wings to year and out fighter planes uh, so it's, it's I'm not a historian claim to be never did um but this is the kind of film like i would probably show in a history class because i think it's worth uh, it's a good jumping off point for the kind of conversations you want to have about that era my opinion in conversation but you have to let them know that she did not have tuberculosis that's right it's very important that we be clear about that and she had Yo, y'all broke me. Y'all, I think that's why I first started breaking on this one because I yeah, was yeah. so shit wasn't even fucking real. All right, guys. So yeah, check it out. Uh, unanimous decision on amongst the panel here. It's it's worth your time. It's worth a couple times. Uh, that's gonna do it for our show today. So until next time, keep calm and remember, le bon s'élève. So try to live. You've just been privy to the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd, presented by Geek Grotto. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Geek Grotto. For show notes and corrections, or for general geeky fun, you can visit our website at geek-grotto.com. If you would like to sponsor the show, you can do so on the podcast's Red Circle host site, redcircle.com slash shows slash M-M-M-A-N. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, please like, follow, and subscribe.